Our reading and hearing of scripture and the word proclaimed are made effective by the work of the Holy Spirit. Will you join me as I pray the prayer of illumination? Shine within our hearts, loving Lord, with the true light of your divine knowledge and open the eyes of our minds that we may comprehend the message of your word. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. The Old Testament reading comes from Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 9 through 18. Listen for the word of the Lord. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard, and you shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely, and you shall not lie to one another, and you shall not swear falsely by my name, profaning the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not defraud your neighbor, and you shall not steal, and you shall not keep for yourself the wages of a laborer until morning. You shall not revile the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. You should fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall not render an unjust judgment, and you shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand idly by when the blood of your neighbor is at stake. I am the Lord. You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor, or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take advantage, correction, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Good morning. Today's New Testament scripture comes from the book of John, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Listen for the word of the Lord. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you the new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Almighty and everlasting Father, we come to you this morning ready to hear your word. Use me, O oh Lord, as I speak your truth. Be present with us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Today's sermon title is love, the distinguishing sign of discipleship. Love and betrayal, the stuff of which novels and movies are made of, right? The other night I watched a movie where a once well-to-do couple fell into financial hardship. The husband took out a huge insurance policy on himself and his wife, then the wife faked her death and waited to cash in on the insurance policy. Eventually, the wife was caught and went to jail. Remember, love of money leads to betrayal. At first glance, the beginning of this passage in John 13, verses 31 through 35, can be confusing. First, who is he who had gone out? And what does that have to do with the Son of Man and God being glorified? As with any passage in the Bible, you cannot find the context and the meaning of a passage in isolation. So we look to the previous verses. What's going on in chapter 13? We see immediately before verse 31 and following that Jesus was telling the disciples that the one individual among them would betray Jesus. When Simon Peter asked which one of them would betray Jesus, Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I give the piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then Jesus did just as he said, he dipped the piece of bread in the dish and gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. 
And in that moment, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus said to him, do quickly what you are going to do. Now all of the other disciples were standing there. They saw Jesus give the bread to Judas. And they heard what Jesus said to him. Yet they did not have a clue Judas was the betrayer. They only saw Judas, the disciple, that handles the money affairs. Love and betrayal. The love of money leads to betrayal, but I digress. This has the potential of a whole other separate sermon for another time. So, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him instantly. There's a lot of glorification going on here. These verses are so complex. What do they mean? These verses are complex indeed and as scholars indicate, their complexity arises because the Greek word meaning to glorify is repeated five times. But the temporal framework in which the verb is used shifts from past to future and is intentional. In these verses, Jesus and God's mutual glorification is depicted as a reality that is underway even as Jesus speaks. It means when Judas went out, a chain of events were set into motion that would lead to the instant glorification of God and Jesus. That is, Judas went out to betray Jesus to the authorities, and as a result, Jesus was arrested, persecuted, crucified and died on the cross, placed in the tomb, and resurrected on the third day, victorious over death, thus glorifying God and himself. Amen? Amen. Jesus tried to help the remaining disciples to understand that the hour had come for him to depart from this world and to go to God the Father. He said to them, little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. In this verse, Jesus communicated the urgency in which the disciples and Jews alike, those who follow him and those non-believers who heard this message, the urgency with which they needed to come to Christ. Jesus wanted them to know that the time was at hand because he would only be with them a little longer. Jesus wanted them to make the connection the connection between God and Jesus, the connection he proclaimed in chapter 10, verse 30, the Father and I are one. Jesus indicates to the disciples that these are the same words he said to the Jews. However, Bible scholars note what is different is the significance 
of the departure for the hearers. You see, when Jesus spoke to the Jews, those in power who opposed him, he pointed to his return to God as a moment of judgment and condemnation. Here, his departure is presented to the disciples as the seal of their new relationship with God, with Jesus, and with one another. Little children, technia in the Greek language, a common form of addressing the members of the, believing, of the believers in, in the community of Christ. This intimacy of Jesus addressing his disciples as little children sets the framework for Jesus' teaching in the following verses. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples because you have love for one another. At the beginning of chapter 13, Jesus demonstrated his love for his disciples and obedience to God by humbling himself and washing the feet of the disciples. It was an act of love as Jesus performed the foot washing duty of a servant. During biblical times, foot washing was not uncommon. Because they traveled by foot, travelers' feet were laden with dust and dirt from their journey. Upon arrival at their destination, someone would wash the feet. Not even the lowest-ranking servant, but maybe a foreigner would wash the feet. Jesus modeled for the disciples the love necessary to be in community of the believers in Christ. The selfless act of foot washing is an example of how the disciples should love one another. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. The commandment to love is not necessarily new. The commandment to love neighbor as yourself is in Leviticus 19.18, Matthew 19.19, as well as Mark 12 and 31. What is new here in verse 34 is that Jesus' own are asked to enter into the love that marks the relationship of God and Jesus. Keeping the commandment to love one another is the distinguishing sign of discipleship. It is the tangible sign of the disciples abiding in Jesus. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This type of love in today's society reminds me of the love uh, for one another that sorority sisters and fraternity brothers share. They take an oath of love and support of one another as they represent their organizations in service to the community. Other individuals on the campus know them by this, their love and support for one another. 
Within these fraternities and sororities, there is a real sense of community. In the short time that Jesus had left in the world, he showed the disciples an unconditional and boundless love. A love fully manifest in Jesus' death for the sins of the world. His greatest expression of love in his death for us is an act of Jesus' grace. Brothers and sisters, to truly follow Christ, to really be a disciple of Jesus means you must live life with complete love for your fellow Christians. So, are you a true disciple of Christ? How will you give your life in obedience to Jesus' command to love one another? Jesus was obedient to God's command to die for the sins of the world. It was by Jesus' infinite love and grace for us in the fulfillment of God's sacrificial offering of his one and only Son. Christ's love for us, expressed by his death for our sins, bears witness to the completeness of Jesus' relationship with God and of God's love for the world. Beloved, the key to discipleship in Christ is loving one another. Jesus so loved us that he died for us. However, in his new commandment for his disciples to love one another as he loved us does not mean that our discipleship, in our discipleship, we are to die for one another. Discipleship in Christ means to spend our lives loving the members of our Christian community. One of the most powerful contemporary North American examples of life that fully followed Christ, modeled of lo limitless love, is that of Martin Luther King Jr. His death came not because he chose to give up his life for others, but because he chose to live the love of Jesus fully. In his last speech, I have been to the mountaintop. King speaks as though he knows his time on earth would, sh would soon come to an end. He said, like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. The distinguishing sign of Martin Luther King Jr.'s discipleship in Christ was his love for all as evidenced by his willingness to do God's will. Brothers and sisters, how will you give away your life in obedience to Jesus' command to love one another? The world is watching and sees that today's Christian in their community, it is broken by self-hatred. We do not love one another as we should. Disagreements turn into lifelong grudges that lead to division within the church community. Love, the distinguishing sign of discipleship, is Christ 
in Christ is fading away, making it difficult for people of the world to recognize true believers. In Howard Thurman's book, Meditations of the Heart, he offered a few suggestions to help us love one another. He said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor. How must I seek ever the maintenance of the kind of relatedness to others that will free, that will free the springs of kindness and sympathy in me? I shall study how I may be tender without being soft, gracious without being ingratiating, kind without being sentimental, and understanding without being judgmental. Here in the quietness, I shall give myself in love to my neighbor. Honoring Jesus' command to love one another just as I have loved you is not easy. It takes intentionality and commitment, even when that love is not reciprocated. Jesus is trying to give the disciples a sense of community by commanding them to love one another as I have loved you. The psalmist was correct in saying, it is good and pleasant when God's people live in peace together. Jesus came, Jesus loved, and lived in community with the disciples, showing and leading them by example in how to love each other as he loved them. Beloved, be obedient to the new commandment to love one another as Christ loves you, and show this whole world love is, distinguishing, is the distinguishing factor, the distinguishing sign of your discipleship in Christ. Amen.